on James chapter 1 this morning. For those of you who are following along at home. Oh. Oh, yeah. As, as wonderful and as cute as my little Abigail is. So, James 1. Um, a few years ago, uh, my, my wife and I, we were on vacation in Reno, um, where my, most of my family lives. Um, have any of y'all ever been to Reno? It's, it's hot and it's deserty. Um, but, but one of the things about Reno is that it's got mountains all around it, which is, which is pretty. I mean, it's something else. Um, and, and we were out there, we were there, I think, for two weeks that time, which is a long visit. Um, and my kid brother was there. My, my brother, um, is, is the athlete in the family. And he's, he's, he's a bank vice president. He's the, he's the successful, handsome one. So, um, he and I were talking one morning and we said, well, you know what? We ought to go and do something. And, and we looked at, at some of the guidebooks and, and we decided that we were going to climb a mountain. So that, that morning we said, hey, let's go, let's go climb a mountain this morning. And, and there's this Mount Rose is the name of the mountain. And, and, um, we were going to go out and climb Mount Rose. It was a 4,000 foot or a 3,000 foot ascent, like where we were going to climb up. And it was probably a 20 mile hike. I mean, it was a, it was a walk, right? And, um, we're getting ready to go and do this thing. And, and, you know, we got prepared. I, I didn't know anything about hiking. So I wore heavy boots, which, which are, let me tell you about what kind of plan that was. And, um, we, we each had a, a bottle of Gatorade and a candy bar, right? And this is a, this is our preparation for the 20 mile hike mountain climb. And, and we set out early in the, you know, this is early. So, so we get out there and, and park and, and, um, we park at the same time as these folks from California, right? Like, cause they had California plates, you knew they were from California. Um, and, and we set out to do our, our 20 mile, you know, trip and, and, and we start hiking and it was, it was great for a while. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a good hike. It was wonderful. My brother runs marathons and so I'm keeping up with him, you know, for a while. And, and, um, I remember I got a photo. I hung it up in my office. Um, at home and I'll hang it up in my office here eventually where we're, we're hiking along and we stop for a break to take a rest. And I, I swear to you, like, like there's this mountain in the distance. You can see the mountaintop where we're going, right? And it's way off. Um, and then on the other side of us, there's a waterfall coming down the other mountain that we're, that we're climbing because for whatever reason you would climb one mountain and then cross a ridge onto the other one. And, and so we're standing there and there's this waterfall and a stream running, underneath us and it was it was breathtaking um it was it was one of those moments where you stopped and you could almost like like feel god's presence because it was it was right there you know it was it was perfect and and we're looking at the mountaintop and i'm thinking man that ain't that far you know we'll we'll get there in no time now if you can see a mountaintop for those of you guys who are you know in the know if you can see a mountaintop you ain't that close to it (laughs) But it was my first mountain climbing experience, so. Um, and, and we hiked, and we hiked, and we hiked, and we hiked. And the temperature dropped about, I don't know, 20 degrees on the way up, because apparently when you get way up there, it, it gets a little cold. And the other thing that happened is that the air got a little, little bit thinner. Now, we had gone there from Granger, Indiana, which is near sea level. And, and at the end of this hike, we were at 6,000 feet. So, so the air was getting thin. Right. And I remember I, I say it's altitude sickness. I got we got you know to a point where I sat down and I drank my Gatorade and I was a little dehydrated and I had the headache and I was seeing black spots. 
because, you know, as hard as you breathe when you get up that high, if you're not used to it, it ain't happening, you know, and so I'm, I'm huffing and puffing, and my kid brother, like, it's nothing, you know, and so I got to keep up, and I, I, I sat down, I took off my boots, and I had, uh, I had blisters up and down, and so I'm kind of, you know, not walking real solid, and I'm, I swear to you, I'm sitting there, I'm headache, I felt like I'm, I'm going to be physically ill, and I thought, man, all right, I'm ready to go home. I, and I really, I thought about it. I thought, man, I, I should just turn around and go back. You know, and I thought, this is the moment I need to see. You know, I look, and I'm looking, and, and I couldn't see the mountaintop anymore. <laughs> and it looked like such a great idea when it was a long way off, and I could see the whole thing, and it was pretty neat. But now I'm, I'm way up there, and, and, you know, I can't see it, and so I don't even have that, right? I didn't even get the moment of inspiration. And, and I swear to you, if my brother hadn't been along, I would have gone home. <laughs> that was that moment. I had made the decision, and then my brother was like, are you ready to finish this? And I thought, well, he's you know, my kid brother. I can't not look awesome in front of him <laughs> like that ever happens. Um, so we, um, we keep going. I put my boots back on, and we keep going, and I am just dragging. I think I fell down twice on the way, and, and after a point, you can barely even see the trail because it's just rocks, you know, and, and we're climbing and going and going and going. And it was, I don't know, 500 yards from where we stopped to the top of the mountain. And I was right there, and I almost turned around and went back. And, and we sat there and snapped photos and ate our candy bars and, and, and just enjoyed it. And I've got some great photos from the top of this mountain. And then we turn around to go back. And, and going downhill is even harder, I swear. <laughs> but we, we walk about 300 yards and we encounter this young man from California. Now he left a little before us and he was, he was dragging. You ever see somebody there walking and they just run out of gas and, you know, like he, he needed a piggyback ride. And, and he stops and like asks us, because I think we're the first people to come down that he encounters, and he says, is it much farther? And I, without missing a beat, I told him, oh man, there was a landslide or something up there, you can't even get to the top, you might as well turn around now. And he looks at me, and he's like, oh, and he turns around and starts walking back. <laughs> and I stopped and said, no, you're right there, just a little further, man, I'm, I'm kind of a jerk. <laughs> um... So, so we get back down and I had this, this moment of realization. When I was closest to the top, I, I couldn't see it and I was ready to quit. When I was, it was the, the easiest part of the climb, I was so tired I didn't want to do it anymore. When I was a long way off and I wasn't anywhere near it, it looked like a good idea. You guys with me? Alright, we're going to come back to this. James 1-1. One, one. James, this is the introduction part. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Um, we're going to work our way through this in little bits. I know I usually do like whole chapters. Um, what's going on here is this is during a time, you know, and, and we got to provide some context here because it's a very different culture, right? Churches at the time, like James was writing to Jewish Christians, right? And Jewish Christians, what they would do is they would worship in the synagogues. They would still gather on Sabbath, which is Saturday, and they'd worship in the synagogues. And the Jewish folks didn't like that much. 
right? And so, like, there, there's a point in time, about 50 or 60 AD, where the Jewish prayer books change, and they start adding prayers about Christians. And, and so you'd be sitting in church, and they'd stand up to do the morning prayer, and they'd say, all right, number 348, and, or whatever they would do, and, and they would do the prayer, and they would pray for, like, the Christians in their community to be, like, horribly killed. <laughs> and you're sitting there, and they're praying about you dying, and in some places, they just said, all right, well, you're not welcome here anymore. In some instances, it would be children who would convert, and their parents would say, not my child anymore. Um, in some instances, you would be arrested and beaten. Um, persecution at the time, like, like if you look at the first several hundred years of the church, I, I read this this morning, that when the Council of Nicaea met, this is the, the, the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church, right, when like everything came together, there were like 300 and, 326 delegates. Um, of them, 12 were not missing body parts. Like, like they, all the 300 some odd others, like they would get arrested and they'd gouge out an eye. So, you know, and, and they, you know, I mean, the, the persecution was so severe in the early part of this church. And so as James is writing them, James says, hey, I know you guys are getting arrested. I know that sometimes they're cutting off your fingers, but consider it pure joy. Does that sound disconnected? I mean, honestly, I lose cable and I get irritated. I, you know, my, my car, like, like I'm, I'm driving back from a um, glacier this, the other day, and I get stuck behind a guy who's going five under the limit, and I'm ready to, like, like holler and think, God, why me? Um, James says, hey, when you face these trials, you should be happy about this. The, the series we're starting up here is going to deal with uh, difficulty. Anybody, anybody have times of trouble in your life? Difficulty? Days when you think, man, I can't even get out of bed and go to work? Um, we're going to be looking at this, right? And this is, this is one of the tougher questions that you ex- and, encounter in Christianity. What do you do when life is tough? What does God have to do with us when life is tough? And, and we start out with this, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. It's easy to do when you're not in it, right? It's easy to back up and say, man, life is good right now, but you know what? I'm ready to grow spiritually. And you're standing in the valley and you see this mountaintop way off and you think, that's a great idea. And then you get up there and you're standing there and you're tired and you're sick and you're thinking, man, I don't want to go any further. But you're right there, right? This is how difficulty works in life. We encounter tough times and these are the times when we have the opportunity to grow the most. When God will move in the most amazing ways in our lives. But oftentimes, like, we get to that point, and, and you don't want it. You know, you say, man, God, I will do anything but this. Anything but this. But it's that testing, according to James, right? It's that testing um, that produces, or the testing of faith produces endurance. It helps you grow. Until you face difficulty, you don't have to do the work. You know, I, I look at... um TV commercials or movies or what have you, you see these guys who are all buff, you know, they got their six-pack and everything. I think, man, that'd be great. I should start lifting weights. And then I lift weights for about a week, and I think, man, this is crummy. <laughs> it looks like a good idea from the distance until you get there, and then you've got to set your jaw against it. Now, James is doing some, some funny stuff in this letter. We're going to work through it bit by bit, okay? Um, this is written in, in Aramaic. It's a type of Greek, right? And, and he starts out, this word greetings at the end 
is, uh, I gotta look it up because my Greek is terrible. Hold on. Um, charain, right? Greetings is the word charain. And then in the next sentence, he says, consider it pure joy. And the word joy is charon. It's a wordplay. And James does this to connect things together. Now, unfortunately, joy and greeting, they don't sound alike in English, so you lose it. So you gotta, you gotta look it up in a commentary or something. The reason that these are connected is, James starts out and he says, I'm a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And he connects it to difficulty. Part of being a servant, right, is sometimes it's hard. Um, but the title for the book of James ought to be, like if you were going to pick a title, and that's what he's doing here with this connection, with this wordplay. He's saying, hey, joy in the service of God, right? There's joy to be had when we follow and serve God. And does that mean that life is going to be easy? Of course not. Because we're still going to lose people, right? Sometimes people are going to do things that are downright mean. Sometimes you're going to get stuck in traffic. Following Jesus isn't going to clear all that up. Sometimes you'll pray for something and God will answer. But oftentimes it's the case that life is just going to be hard. Now, how do you get joy out of it? What's the trade? Well... For starters, the way that he phrases this, right? I'm not going to give you the grammar specific explanation. But what he says is, like, like the way it's phrased in Greek, it's a direction, right? He says, listen, make a moral decision that you're going to have joy when life is crummy, <laughs> right? You know, and that's a tough thing to do. It's something you do in advance, right? If I had tried to decide to climb the mountain when I was up near the top, I wasn't going. I made that decision down in the valley when things were easy. And it's a decision you make early. You say, listen, when life is crummy, when, when I kind of get my, my butt kicked, right, I'm going to face it and I'm going to have joy. When people, like, offend me or people step on my toes or when people push me around, I'm going to be joyed with that. I'm going to be happy with it. I'm going to be good with it. I'm, I'm going to trust. It's a decision you make early, right? And it's a moral decision. Like, that's, that's the way it's phrased. It's not like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. He's saying, listen, from a moral perspective, life's crummy. You, you have to make the choice to trust God. Man, that's tough, isn't it? How many of you guys, when life is miserable, you, the last thing you want to do is think about how great it is? It's not me, I'll tell you. So he says, consider it pure joy. Now, the word joy isn't happiness, right? We like happiness in the United States. Happiness is good. Happiness is what I get when I eat a great steak after, like, having a big fireball at Virgil. Um, that's an inside joke. Ask me later. Um, <laughs> it was for Jimmy exclusively. Um, happiness is, happiness is you know, something. I get a new car, and I'm happy, right? I got my replacement computer in the mail this week. And there are some folks over visiting, and I, I could hardly contain myself. Like, my conversation level died out then, and I'm, you know, kind of like a kid at Christmas, right? That's happiness. Happiness is not joy. Joy is this underlying thing. It, it transcends happy or unhappy. It's this, this, this underlying thing that says, God is in control, and I'm good with it. I'm going to trust that he's going to take care of me, and I'm good with it. This is the life I'm going to live. Um, and so even when we find ourselves standing out in the rain, these are the guys who can back up and say, God sends the rain. I'm not enjoying it, but I'm thankful I get it. Or I've talked to a few people who've had combine problems because the, uh, the weed has gotten a little tall. Anybody 
you know, when you, you have to repair and fix and you lose three days repairing something, which apparently all of Harvest is fixing stuff. I don't even understand that. But <laughs> um, you say, wow, you know what? What a great problem to have. We have too much. And so our combines are breaking. What a great problem. God has blessed us. I'm good with doing this work. That's joy. It's not necessarily happiness. It's joy. It's supposed to transcend everything in a believer's life. Um, it makes it easy to forgive folks. How many of you guys have had somebody really step on you and you back up and you say, man, I ought to, you know, and joy says, Jesus forgave me. I can forgive this person. Not a decision you make in the moment. It's a decision you make in advance and you implement it in the moment. Everybody with me? Anybody napping yet? <laughs> so he moves on. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, the word many kinds is funny. It means of, how do I explain this? Um, the word I saw was rainbowed or of many colors. He's talking about every kind of difficulty we can face. And there's a tendency, we, we, we like to set it back because America, we, we, we think of trial as in um, my car broke down. Or um, you've got a family member who's sick. That's trial, right? And that's a kind of trial. Another kind of trial is, man, I heard something awesome. Man, I heard something great. You know what those Durgas are doing? I'm going to go tell the neighbor. And, man, there's this this desire. Everybody knows the Durgas don't do anything bad. Um, <laughs> there's this desire to go and share that. And we, we want to, right? And it itches in us. And when it comes time to go and do the gossiping, you say, man, that would be gossip. And gossip is sinful. I, I got to not do it. Or somebody says something to you and you got that perfect, like, sharp comeback. That's my, my curse. I'm, I'm a silver-tongued devil. And I, I, I get these great remarks, especially with my wife, and I just want to, like, throw out my cut and I'll win. But in the end, like, like, I gotta back up and say, my trial today is, shut up. Or, I mean, sorry, be quiet. I'll be a little more. <laughs> um, part of what James is talking about here, and you see it throughout the letter, okay? Now, I'm gonna give you a homework assignment right here in the middle. Read the book of James. It's about three pages. Um, but as you read it, remember, James is talking about trial. The whole book is about dealing with trials. Um, and so sometimes those trials are, watch what you say, because saying stuff is like setting fire to a field, and it ain't going to stop there. It's going to go everywhere. Your tongue is a fire that's going to burn up other people's lives. Watch what you say. How many of you guys love watching what you say? <laughs> but that's a trial we face sometimes, isn't it? It's a trial, and it's a trial that makes us strong. It builds our faith. When I can overcome sin in my life, right, which I'm going to tell you, I'm a bad guy. I am a wicked bad man. I didn't tell you that in the interviews because I like Montana. Um, <laughs> but I, I do wicked things. When I choose to do the right, when I choose to resist temptation, that's me and the Holy Spirit walking together, right? And the Holy Spirit's picking me up. And the more I do that, the more he'll pick me up. And I begin to, like, take on this holiness. That's spiritual growth. It's spiritual growth you see from a distance and make a decision about, not when you got that juicy bit of gossip. You know, and you're, or when you're tired and you don't want to. You do it early. So, 
many colored. There's another kind of temptation or trial that he's talking about here, and that's physical difficulty, right? Um, anybody ever been made fun of for talking about Jesus? Anybody ever not talk about Jesus because they were afraid of being made fun of? I'm, I'm that guy. Um, I, uh, this happens a lot in our culture, right? You know, like think chicken franchises. You know, you, you say the wrong thing and folks come up in arms against you. This is a trial. Um, so when James says, hey, consider it pure joy when you experience trials of every kind, he's talking about when folks come up against you. When folks want to push you down for believing what you believe or for not acting a certain way that they think you ought to act. Um, these are trials. Sometimes trials is just folks messing with you because they think it's funny, isn't it? Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody related to somebody like that? Anybody that person? <laughs> um, so when James is talking about trials, he's talking about these two things and also like personal difficulty, which is what I think we think about as Americans, right? But we don't always think about, i got to resist sin, and we don't always think about, sometimes people are going to push me around for believing what I believe. It also includes, sometimes people get sick. Read the book of James, it talks about it, right? It says, hey, when somebody gets sick, pull in the elders and pray over them. Why does he say that? Well, because it's a type of trial that we face. These are things that perfect our strength. Anybody ever stop and say, why is God doing this to me? I, my daughter, Abby, is the most wonderful baby ever. But she started throwing temper tantrums. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, sometimes she'll pick something up and you'll take it away from her and she'll throw herself down and kick and scream and you can just hear her saying, why are you doing this to me? Or, or I have bookshelves everywhere and we're trying to teach her not to take things off the bookshelves. And so she'll pick up a book and be wandering around tearing pages out of it. And she does that as wonderful as she is. And I'll say, all right, Abby, cut that out, put the book back. And she'll throw the book and scream and fall on the floor. Why are you doing this? Well, why do I correct my daughter? Well, because if I don't correct her now, guess what I'm going to get in the long run? Daniel. No, I'm kidding. I'm just... <laughs> 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 Everybody knows Daniel's perfect. Um, <laughs> um, so what do I do? I, I correct my daughter because it makes her stronger. I also make her eat vegetables sometimes. I don't like vegetables. Why would she like them? But why do we do it? Because it's good for her. Why do I put her to bed on time some days? Because it's good for her. Why do I do the things I do to strengthen her? Do I do it to destroy her? No, I do it because I love her. I don't let her play in traffic because I love her. I don't let her play with knives because I love her. Sometimes God puts this trial in our lives. Why? Because he loves us. Because in experiencing that trial, we grow. I could forever and ever and ever keep Abby in diapers and put her in her crib every night. I'd have to big, build a much bigger one, right? I, I could keep a cute little baby forever, but it stops being cute when they hit a certain age, doesn't it? Our spiritual growth might be cute in the beginning, like when we're, when we're innocent and we don't grow at all, but God's got the same perspective, right? Like, if we don't grow, eventually we look like spoiled brats. It's true, isn't it? And there are a lot of believers who live in that spiritual brat kingdom. They say, well, I'm going to pray and God better give it to me or I'm not going to believe anymore. Okay, there's no growth in that. Mature people wait sometimes. I don't. I'm not mature. 
The word testing here, by the way, to kind of offer you a little perspective, is normally used for metal. You would test metal with fire, right? You would test metal with, with um, fire because, like, bits of, of uh, metal that don't belong would, like, smelt out, right? I'm not a, uh, I'm not, what would that be, a blacksmith? I don't know. Um, but as you heat metal, things that don't belong burn away. When God heats us, the things that don't belong in our lives, what do they do? They burn away. They go away. Um, when we get to the end of James, I'm going to jump ahead here. This is James 5, if you want to follow along, assuming I can find my spot in the notes. 5-1. I'm going to have to finish soon. I'm running out of water. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments have become moth-eaten, meaning that wealth doesn't last forever, right? We find our joy in wealth, it goes away. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days you have stored up your treasure. Meaning that, like, if my joy is in the now, right? If my joy is in how great of a TV I can have, that's not joy, it's happiness. Everybody with me? If all of my happiness is in the moment, it's going to go away. Because there's going to be a moment when it ain't fun anymore. Um, you see this with celebrities all the time, where their joy is in what they have, and then it burns up and all of a sudden they're miserable um, or empty. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed, the, mowed your fields, in which, uh, hold on, let me back up. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, and which have been withheld by you, cries out against you. The outcry of those who did harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have li- lived luxurious life on earth, and your life led you to want and pleasure. You have flattened your heart, fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter, meaning like you've fed off other people. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the er- until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the Lord for the coming of the Lord is near. Now what he's talking about, he says, listen, there are some folks who are feeding on what they get now. Everybody with me? Anybody live that life yet? Where everything that brings you joy is what you've got right now? I got friends, I got people who love me, I got peace, I got a nice place. Um, there, there's eventually going to be a point where that goes. It can't last. There are folks who find joy in the moment like when they get intoxicated, right? Anybody know anybody like that? And then that hangover shows up the next morning? And you got to get drunk again so you don't feel it. Um, that's in the moment. When we experience and encounter all our joy in the moment, it goes away. Um, and sometimes it goes away in judgment against us. But we'll talk about that another time. Um, he says, listen, be patient with what you got. Trust. Is patience easy? Do you learn it instantly? You learn it by waiting, right? When God puts us through trial... He teaches us through waiting. When God makes us strong, He makes us strong. Excuse me. He makes us strong through difficulty. God moves us to a new place when we when we go through hardship. Um, my challenge for you this week, my application as you go out of here, 
um, is to look at where you're at. Um, ultimately, this is a decision that we have to make early on. It's a decision we have to make to take a certain point of view. You know that song uh, Johnny Cash sang, A Boy Named Sue? Isn't know that one? Oh, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's, but listen to the edited version because they're swearing. I don't want to promote cinema. <laughs> um, this, this young man, his name is Sue, um, he was named by his father because his dad was a drunk and knew he wouldn't raise him. And so the dad basically, like, he fathers a child, names him, and takes off. And Sue grows up getting picked on by everyone. And he fights everybody who ever says a bad word about him, right? Like, he, he gets to be this tough, like, guy, but he, he flees places because people make fun of his name. So he'll show up in a town, live there for a little while, and then leave because people make fun of him for his name. And eventually, he meets his dad. And, and one of my favorite song lines from Johnny Cash, right? Uh, my name is Sue, how do, how do you do? Now you're gonna die. <laughs> and he, he fights his dad, and in the end, he's about to kill him, and the dad says, you know what, you got every right to kill me, but hold on. You're tough, and I knew I wasn't going to raise you, and I knew somebody had to make you tough. And he says, I named you Sue so you'd be tough. So as you kill me, be thankful to me, because you got that from me. And he doesn't kill him in the end. He walks away and says, i got a different point of view in this. What James is calling for here, right, is that we take a different point of view, and we need to take it before we've ruined our whole life with the wrong point of view. Um, the different point of view we take here, and it's not just like always look on the bright side of life kind of thing. It's if I have difficulty, God is a part of it, and I'll trust him. And I'm going to have joy in that trust. And so my challenge for you today is look at your point of view. You know, when you go home today, ask yourself, how am I dealing with tough times? How do I view my happiness? Is my happiness in the Lord? Is my happiness in in Christ? Is my happiness in the grace I receive? Or is my happiness in the next new toy I might happen to get? Which will eventually break down and rust in the yard. God provides us what we need to be joyful. God provides us what we need to be happy even when life is miserable. But it's a decision we make. A moral decision. And it's a decision we make early. Because if you decide in the moment, it ain't going to happen, Right? It's a decision we make before we climb a mountain. And once that decision's made, it carries us to the top. It carries us to spiritual growth and intimacy. So read the book of James and ask yourself, what's my perspective? We're going to close in prayer. I think Rebecca has another song. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just the gift that you give us in knowing you. I thank you for the blessings you pour on our lives. I thank you for for the opportunity to see even difficulty as joy through your will and your grace. I pray that you would stand with us today. I pray that you would stand with the folks who've, who've been here and, and as they face challenge and difficulty, um, help them to have joy in you. In Christ's name, amen. If you guys will please stand. Um,